we have put a lot of effort into creating a really positive team culture and we feel like our sustainability values really extend to how we treat our team as well. So we are Nelson's first living wage accredited employer, which means we pay everyone, including all the staff on the bottling line, 25% above the minimum wage and that's the amount that's needed to not only have the necessities of life, but an independent body has worked out to be an active citizen in society. And we also take a lot of effort to nurture each of our employees, our team members, and figure out what they actually want, not only from their job, but from their life. Are they looking to be in this job forever, or is it a stepping stone for their dream job, whatever it is that they want, or you know, do they want more time with their family or more time for you know, becoming a world champion mountain biker, whatever it is, we look at that and how we can help them reach those life goals. Welcome to SheEO.World, a podcast about redesigning the world. I'm your host, Vicki Saunders. In each episode, you'll hear from SheEO Venture founders, women who are working on the world's to-do list. These innovative business leaders are solving some of the major challenges of our times. Sit back and prepare to be inspired. I'm Chloe, founder of Chia Sisters. We create nutritious, sustainable and innovative beverages from a solar-powered juicery in Nelson. And we also have Florence, co-founder with her today. My name's Florence and I work alongside Chloe to bring the most nutritious beverages to New Zealand, Australia, Singapore and Hong Kong. Well, welcome. We are so excited to have you both on the podcast today. You are our first sisterpreneurs, <laughs> uh, co-founders of Chia Sisters. This is so exciting. So let's talk a little bit about your journey to starting your company. Florence, you want to just start with, did you always want to be an entrepreneur? How did you get to co-founding this company? Yeah, absolutely. So I always wanted to be a lawyer ever since I was little, and I studied law at university and got a job at a really good corporate law firm up in Auckland, the biggest city in New Zealand, straight out of university. So I was working there for around three years and I just started looking around me and realizing that this wasn't what I wanted for my life. I'd always felt really strongly about sustainability and and ethical values growing up and I started realizing that moving huge amounts of money from one company to another wasn't something that I wanted to be doing. And I also looked around and saw the workouts that some people were putting in. And basically to succeed at this corporate law firm, you needed to be working nights and weekends, which was just something that I didn't want to be doing. At the same time, Chloe had been creating a nutritious health drink made with chia seeds. I'll let her talk a bit about that after this. And I realized that I wanted to be doing something I was passionate about and something that I had a bit of a why for. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about a why, in case people aren't really up on that. (laughs) It comes from a book by Simon Sinek, and he says a lot of people know what they're doing at work. Most people know how to do it, but not many people know why they're doing what they're doing. And I realized I didn't know why I was shifting huge amounts of money from one company to another, often international companies buying up small New Zealand companies and land, and it just didn't sit right with me and I realized I wanted to be doing something that I was passionate about and shaking up the beverage industry which is known for producing a lot of plastic and a lot of sugary drinks was something 
that I really thought I had a why for. Chloe, tell us about your journey here. You've created something that never existed before. So clearly you didn't really have a role model for that. How did you get into this business? Going right back to our childhood, we were brought up in an entrepreneurial family. Our parents sold possum fur hats, which helped save the forests of New Zealand, which are being decimated by pests. So we had sort of that entrepreneurial upbringing. But I didn't study business or marketing or anything related to business, really. I studied neuroscience. Uh, I was fascinated by how the, the brain works. And so I got a Bachelor of Science in neuroscience and then did postgraduate research in Alzheimer's disease. Then I became very interested using natural plants and their benefits on the body and I got a diploma in herbal medicine and then I was in Nelson uh, and I realized that well there weren't very many opportunities in neuroscience and at the same time Florence was a national triathlete and my dad was a world champion age group swimmer and they were looking for something healthy to fuel them with their training however everything that was on the market at the time, so this is going back seven years, all the health foods promoted themselves by what isn't in them. So no artificial ingredients, no added sugar, no fat, lots of things that are really important. But I felt that what's not in your food can't actually make you better because it's not there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's a very good point, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's important to exclude things, but actually what's going to make you healthy is the nutrient content. That's what fuels you to have energy, to have focus, to feel that healthy vitality that we all want to feel. At the time, my dad was hydrating chia seeds just in water as part of his training with a swim squad just down at the local pool. And uh, I started looking into the seeds and they're full of omega-3, magnesium, calcium, iron, zinc, electrolytes and fibre, which happen to be a lot of the nutrients we tend to need more of in our diet. But it doesn't taste very good just in water, but it does need to be hydrated in order to absorb the nutrients. And so I ended up mixing them with some local fruits. We grow uh, lots of black currants here in Nelson, which have lots of antioxidants in them and lots of Nelson apples as well and so we blended those together me and dad and he started using it and Floss started using it and then we took it to the local cafe and supermarket and found out that it wasn't just athletes that uh, want to feel good and healthy it turns out that lots of people want to be them their better self through choosing healthy foods. It's so interesting to me like I I love stories of entrepreneurs where they literally kind of stumble upon, right? They're solving a problem in their own life, which sounds like that's exactly what happened here. Having not trained as an entrepreneur, probably a good thing these days, uh, and having a fresh approach, you so you, you went to local cafes. And then how did, how did this kind of blossom into, like, did you have a bigger vision really quickly? Is, has it just kept kind of like organically growing? Like, how did you get to the next level? I then went to another city and and took it uh, to cafes and supermarkets there. And I think that's when I quit my day job, which was just working in a health food store at the time and realized I had to go full time because it was occupying all of my time. And just, yeah, it really did just grow organically and quickly from there. And 
and I think at the same time the market was changing and wanting more um, healthy and innovative foods and so it went from you know first going to a supermarket and then saying oh what is this this is pretty weird to you know the following you know six months later asking what else I had like it yeah evolved from there. (laughs) So when did you quit your job to join Chloe and like how did how did that work and what's it like working with your sister? Tell us again. <laughs> it's great. So I quit my job at the end of 2015 and Chloe had been really successful already in launching Chia into local supermarkets and cafes. When I came on board, we took the next step and really pushed into some export markets, got better ranging in national supermarkets across the country. So that was really exciting in my first year and I hadn't really known what to expect going from this big corporate lifestyle to literally working out of a garage. So there were a few speed bumps to get over. But we had a really fantastic first year and absolutely love working together. I think we know each other's strengths and weaknesses really well. So we understand how far we can push each other. We have quite different personalities and quite different skill sets. So we're really good at knowing who should be doing what task and yeah, what's going to work for one person that's not going to work for the other. Now that's like super helpful in a partnership, right? To tell each other yeah. the truth, which I yes. I guess you've been used to. So Yeah, we're very honest ha- with each other. Uh, that's good. You need to be, right? Like you really do yeah. have to tell the truth. If you just sort of skirt around things, things go sideways all the time. So I have a question around, did you start bottling at home or how did you get started with the manufacturing part of this? So we did our first production run out of a local brewery. It went really terribly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So basically because we're designed something completely different and it just has a delicate nature to it, it didn't fit through any of the small tubes that you would normally put a liquid through um, and just shot out all over the place and it was a complete disaster. The next step, we had to actually go forward and design our own equipment to be able to handle the product. And, and from there, we used our own equipment in someone else's facility until we got to the stage where we could then take over that facility. Can I just stop you for a sec? Because this is one of the things that, I, like, this is not how I think. I mean, I feel like I could start so many companies, but manufacturing of stuff seems so hard. <laughs> and we have a venture in Canada who created breathable food wrap. It's called Abigo. She was doing this by hand and then she literally like hired engineers to make a machine, which I think is like, what? Seems so strange <laughs> to me. So how did you, when you're like, oh, so it didn't fit through the tube. So we just designed something. Like, how did you do that? How did you figure out how to do that? We worked with Callahan Innovation, which helps support companies doing innovative and, and new things. Um, and then we also worked with an engineering company and a university brought all of those those things together. Oh my gosh. So basically you're like, we need to do something. So you just, did you go out and start talking to people or how did you find them? Like, Yeah, I think New Zealand's a really good place to be doing business because everyone wants to help each other out. So we literally went to the best people that we knew of who create the manufacturing equipment for Fonterra, which is New Zealand's biggest company, and said, hey, who can we chat to? And they said, we'll do it. And Callahan Innovation, which help out with, innovative new designs of anything that are the first of their kind in the world said, hey, we'll help you out as well. And then we got a university on board. So it was a real collaborative effort 
but it did have some hiccups. It didn't work perfectly the first time, which was a bit alarming given the amount of money that yeah. we ended up getting there. You started with the brewery. It didn't work. You went to work with innovation people to help you figure out how to actually get it bottled. And then, uh, so where is it manufactured now? And so we were put in quite a difficult situation last year. We previously had our own equipment in someone else's factory. They were making it for us and we just had to do all the sales and branding work. And then they went into liquidation really suddenly last year. So we were in this really difficult position. We had to decide whether we literally closed down our business because we can't make our product anymore. And we asked all over the country and no one had capacity to bottle our drinks for us. Or we could take over the factory, which was made for a company probably 10 or 20 times our size, move in and do it all ourselves, which involved hiring bottling staff, hiring a production manager, getting a food safety plan, cleaning to food grade standard. There were so many changes in our business. And at the same time, we were having key employees who had been with us from the start had left and having a whole lot of internal disasters. So it was a really difficult time. The, I had yes. a 10-month-old baby at the time, oh so I hadn't slept for 10 months. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so 10-month-old baby, you had to take over a factory that was going into liquidation. Like, go into all these elements of business, right? Which is just yeah. wild. Yeah, as you said, manufacturing, much more difficult. <laughs> Help us with that. Like, How did you get through that? <laughs> okay, I love that. Just deep pause. I don't know. We're still in it. What do you mean? How do we get through it? One thing that we did that was um, one thing that we did. We realized, okay, if we are moving into a factory that's made for a company ten times our size, the first thing we need to do is increase our production. We need more sales so that we're not just wasting money on all this staff and all this equipment sitting here. So we launched a new range of fresh pressed juice made entirely from local fruits and we lined the new factory with solar panels and which was really in line with our sustainability values but we called this new fresh piece juice bottled by the sun to celebrate that shift to solar power and it's been our most successful range yeah I think it's a really good example of when you come across a barrier and you're forced to think outside the square and do things a bit differently take some huge risks and luckily for us it's come out really well Mm, I love the term bottled by the sun. It's really beautiful. I mean, I, I have this little sticky on my computer right now, which says, what would nature do? And I think about this with almost all of my decision these days, just because I think we're so extractive in our mentality and uh, we need to be regenerative. And so how do we actually figure that out? So let's talk a bit about sustainability. You said this really matters to you. And I hear that you were recently, you went zero carbon recently. So tell us a little bit about that, how it happened, why this matters how you're leading really in New Zealand around this. We always considered ourselves to be an environmentally friendly company, but we realised we had no idea. So no idea at all how to even begin combating the biggest environmental issue of our time, which is global warming. And we know that businesses are the major contributor to this. We realised that we must also be a contributor and that we needed to do something to be a part of the solution. And so we broke it down into four parts. We First of all, we measured how many of these warming greenhouse gases we were producing. We got on a local company called Ecos who was able to look at how much CO2 or CO2-like emission 
We were producing through all of the different activities that we were doing, such as through freight, through transport, through power, through waste, a bunch of different criteria. And then once we had that footprint, it could tell us the problem areas that we needed to focus on. And I think this is the key to this, uh, to moving forward in this space, because without understanding the problem, how are you supposed to solve it? Then the next step is, is that we went through the process of reducing wherever possible and do that by creating renewable energy, such as through solar power, by reducing waste, by using electric vehicles, and also just talking about smarter transport solutions. And then thirdly, we offset by uh, contributing to sustainable native forests in the Nelson region, which is the region we're from. So those are forests that our communities can also enjoy. Uh, and we offset by 120%, which means that we, the overall activities of our business are reducing CO2 from the atmosphere. So having a positive impact on the environment. And then lastly, which is so important, is adding that cost to the balance sheet going forward so that every single decision we make in every area of our business includes the true cost to the environment. That is amazing. I mean, this is the one thing that everyone leaves outside their economic model and then they just you know, offset and don't think about it. But adding that cost in, was it hard to figure out to measure? A lot of people have a hard time measuring, but is your, is your business fairly straightforward that way? Working with the people, your suppliers, so we would go to our electricity company and say, how many kilowatts did we use in the past year? Or to the waste company, what is the weight of the waste that we put out in the last year? And they have all that information. And certainly there are some areas that need improvement with freight and, and different suppliers that haven't got easy ways of calculating it. It takes a bit more time. But the encouraging thing was, is everyone I spoke to said, wow, this is the first time I've been asked this question. And I know that I'm going to get asked this question again and again. So I need to think of a way to be able to provide this information and this data better to my customers. Amazing. Are you seeing more businesses starting to take this up? Like, I know that you talk about this and you get some media locally. Are you starting to see movement towards this? Are you leading in your space? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, I think there's two huge momentums that we're seeing. One is businesses. So since we've come on board, just through word of mouth and different workshops and talks that we've done, um, between 20 and 30 or more businesses locally working on this process for the same company, Ecos, to become carbon zero. And then on top of that, I think the biggest shift is in consumers over the last year, especially. I think this is at the forefront of consumers' minds and they're willing to make purchases based on environmental decisions. And I think that climate change is at the forefront of people's minds at the moment. So not only are we seeing our suppliers and people we're working with coming on board to become carbon zero, but we're actually realizing that's a really profitable way of doing business because people are looking for it. So people are drawn towards your products. So it's really, it's a marketing benefit, essentially. Just add to that, we've gone a step further and created little zero carbon company shelf talkers or wobblers that sit in supermarkets. And we've gone around our local supermarket as a trial and put them up on all the companies, not just ourselves, but all the companies that have gone through the process of becoming a zero carbon to help it get all the way to the consumer awareness 
from that, we've had lots of other supermarkets who are now requesting it as well. And then not too far future, we will have all supermarkets throughout New Zealand labelling zero carbon products, which would be really exciting. That is incredible. And is did you make up the certification or does it exist somewhere? I mean, you, how does that work? So we're working with the company that certified us, but that's called Ecos. So we mm-hmm. went we went to them and we said, hey, we're going to make up these these little flyers and do you want to be involved? And they said, yes. So yeah, we're working with a certified body. I love it. That's really amazing. I mean, that really just shows the ability of like when you're passionate about something and you do the work to get through it, like dividing that up into the four parts of like measuring what you've got and then looking at renewable energy sources and then offsetting and then adding it to the balance sheet. Like that's a really simple process that you could put out there for others to follow. So I think it's kind of cool. And you mentioned workshops. So are you teaching other people how to do this as part of your, on the side of running your business? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's really exciting. So we have just realized the momentum behind this with other businesses locally. So a few bodies like Bank of New Zealand, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise have asked us to do workshops alongside ethos to show how when you break this down, it's not that difficult. It's about the four steps Chloe talked about, calculating, reducing, offsetting, and putting into your balance sheet. And if every business did that, it would change the world. And we think that Nelson is the perfect place to start because of the uptake and momentum we've seen here. That's just incredible. And tell us, where is Nelson in New Zealand, for those who are not the geography mavens? (laughs) It's at the top of the South Island of New Zealand, and it's also New Zealand's sunshine capital, which is one of the reasons why we decided to go solar-powered as well. Bottled by the sun. Cool. So how did you get involved with CEO? How did you find out about this organization? I actually can't remember the first time we heard about it. I feel like we've known about it since it existed somehow. But we do have an amazing connection here in Nelson, Chris Woodworth, who works with Theresa Gadding, and she's been one of our biggest supporters right from the start. So we first, I think we first must have heard about it from her, and then seeing the likes of Dot from Tierney, their CEO venture in the year before us, spurred us to become a part of it. It is amazing to just sort of see the connection. And yes, when Chris heard about you, I remember her sending me an email going, oh, I have such an amazing venture who's applying. I'm so excited about them. <laughs> uh, and uh, one of my favorite things about the network that we're building is that we have activators, women who contribute capital to fund your businesses out there kind of scouting, you know, looking around their communities. They might not have thought about women-led businesses before. And now because of this model are starting to, to really look. Can you tell me about like exporting within this model and, and how that has supported you if it has? So we are currently exporting to Australia and Singapore and Hong Kong. And the fantastic thing about Australia, which is our biggest export market, it is also um, a place where CEO ventures are selected and part of the CEO model. And so what's been really great is we've been um, connecting with CEO activators in Australia who are helping us connect with distributors and buyers and all sorts of connections over there that are really helping us with that Australian market because it is so much more difficult outside your own country. You don't have those connections to make your business grow. It's one of the things that we've designed into the model, to, but to actually see it sort of happen is really cool. When I was in Sydney, we went into the grocery store and saw your drinks on the shelf. And it's I'm like pulling out my cell phone and taking a picture and sending it to you. I'm like, oh my God, it's one of our ventures in the stars. Like so exciting. We're so proud of you. And it's amazing to be able to support incredible businesses like yourself. 
as you're out in the community and building your business, can you tell us a little bit about the sort of sisterhood that's developing? Or do you have a lens of looking for and supporting other female entrepreneurs out there in your community? Yeah, absolutely. I think that CEO has completely shifted our mindset just because we're aware of some of the statistics around how little support women-owned businesses can get from the start. And so just having that awareness and having the understanding of the CEO model makes us want to support women-led businesses more. And we have some fantastic women businesses, women-owned businesses in Nelson, which we're supporting. And also we feel so connected to this amazing group of women activators across the country who are supporting us. And so we've had help from them from everything from speech writing to taking samples to the local cafe to PR. It's really been incredible. We gave a talk. It was called Women of Influence. So we were speaking to a whole room full of women about our journey. But what was special about it was that one of the CEO activators called Elizabeth helps with speech writing or the storytelling process. And so we'd worked with her to really formulate our speech. And then when we gave it, we felt really confident and it went really, really well. And then there was Chris in the audience who was bringing on more activators as the evening went on. And it just it just felt like such a, a supportive network that was really functioning, you know, it was it was really achieving the support that set out to achieve. Yeah, it's very exciting to start to see people like part of our thing of like people have voted for you. They've contributed capital to help you grow your business. They're making introductions. They're talking about it. It makes us all feel like we're part of your success, which is really fun. After the retreat, I remember, so and all of our ventures get together when they're selected in the country and get together for a weekend. And then afterwards, we have a, a little WhatsApp channel. And I was laughing, thinking of how you're helping each other. Like someone walks into a store and goes, hey, I walked into a grocery store where there's no chia. And I told them that they need to get it and they need to call Florence or they need to call Chloe. (laughs) Uh, And it's like how we can really help each other. Just walking into a store and going, how come you don't have this? And the person at the store is like, what do you mean? What is that? You know, and it's just the way that we can support each other is amazing. It makes such a difference. Just that small, small comment of, oh, I would love you to stock this product can be the difference of getting it in the door or not. So that's one of the things we can do. So if you're in New Zealand, Australia, Singapore, or Hong Kong, please go into your local store and ask them why they don't have chia. Or if they do have chia, say thank you. (laughs) One thing is, are there other asks that you would have about your business? I think anyone that has connections to cafe chains or yeah, anyone, supermarkets, restaurants, anyone willing to stock our drinks, something that we're really struggling with at the moment is our sales are growing all the time, but we feel we've hit a roadblock with the big corporates and also government bodies like schools, hospitals and universities and these organisations have contracts with Coca-Cola and Pepsi, which means that we are blocked from doing any trade with them. And I think it is something that's going to change. I think social procurement is definitely an opportunity of the future. But at the moment, it's still really hard for us to uh, get through these exclusivity contracts, most of which have been going for decades and decades from a really established company. So if you are the owner of a cafe chain or you know someone that is, just touching base with them about that and making sure they realise that there's local, sustainable, ethical companies that would happily match Coca-Cola's price to be switched out would be a huge help. I don't think a lot of people really know about this. Can you explain just what this means? I think it's hard for me to explain because it's such a something that we're so in, you know, we're, it's part of our business every day. 
But basically, an exclusive contract means that an organisation, one example is Christchurch City Hospital, has an exclusive contract with Coca-Cola, which means that, in this case, 80% of the sales of their beverages from Christchurch Hospital has to be Coca-Cola. And that means you've got hundreds of other small companies or big companies like Pepsi fighting for that extra 20%. And in this case, Flagship Hospital is one of the biggest accounts of Coca-Cola in the country. They're moving a huge amount of volume. And because the government has chosen to support Coca-Cola, we are blocked from selling our drinks unless we can fight for that small 20%. And often there's further requirements around that, for example, we can't be in a public bridge, we can't be in the biggest cafe, that type of thing. So it makes it really, really difficult to do business on that bigger level. And I guess on a smaller level as well, every time you see a Coke bridge or a Pepsi bridge or a Charlie's bridge that's owned by the Japanese company Asahi, that means that we are not allowed to be in that bridge and neither is any other local beverage company. So it's an automatic block from doing business. Yeah, this makes me crazy. Like this is exactly the kind of stuff that's wrong in the world, right? Like there's the lockdown of globalization and removing the opportunity for all of us to be able to to sell the new innovative products that are coming along and how hard it is to break through. Yeah, exactly. So, we're not asking to be the only company being sold. We just want it to be a level playing field where we're allowed to have a shot and you know, the consumer can choose which product they like rather than only being sold one thing. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I am so, so grateful to both of you for the amazing leadership that you're showing by helping all of us to figure out how to become carbon neutral, but also how to run sustainable businesses in ways that really matter. And just before we end, can you talk to us a little bit about your workplace environment and the culture that you're creating with your organization and what that kind of looks like? I mean, I'm thinking, Flossie, from your moving from having to work weekends and nights and always on, what kind of culture are you creating? Absolutely. I still feel like I'm always on, unfortunately, <laughs> but we have put a lot of effort into creating a really positive team culture and we feel like our sustainability values really extend to how we treat our team as well. So we are Nelson's first living wage accredited employer, which means we pay everyone, including all the staff on the bottling line, 25% above the minimum wage and that's the amount that's needed to not only have the necessities of life, but an independent body has worked out to be an active citizen in society. And we also take a lot of effort to nurture each of our employees, our team members, and figure out what they actually want, not only from their job, but from their life. Are they looking to be in this job forever, or is it a stepping stone for their dream job, whatever it is that they want, or you know, do they want more time with their family or more time for you know, becoming a world champion mountain biker, whatever it is, we look at that and how we can help them reach those life goals. That's amazing. This is one of the things that I really love about being an entrepreneur as well is that you can create whatever culture you want, right? Like we yeah, chose absolutely. not to join these companies and to do our own. So please don't follow what everyone else does. Like the sky is the limit in terms of what you want to create. Like I'm sure you have flexibility for your own swimming and yeah, workout yeah. approach. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, thank you very much, both of you. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Florence, for joining us today. Nelson, New Zealand. Check it out, people. And we will put your website up. Is it, do you want to just tell us how we can reach you if people want to reach out? Yeah, it's www.chiassistance.co.nz. And you can also follow us on Facebook, 
Chia Sisters or Instagram, Chia Sisters. Chia Sisters. Well, thank you very much, Chia Sisters. We'll see you soon online. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you for listening to the CEO.world podcast. If this conversation resonated with you, please share it with a friend and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you'd like more information about CEO, please visit us at CEO.world. That's S-H-E-E-O dot world.